I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as falls and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott. Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all the podcasts, and welcome to another edition of Nerd Alert. Uh, this is week three of Fantasy Week. I did it again, didn't I? This is week three <laughs> of Fantasy Month. God damn it. Uh, which we weren't planning to make a month of, but we're going to do it because that's what we do on this show. Uh, joining me this week, as always, the man who keeps the talk nerdy in the cute take two. The man who keeps the nerd and talk nerdy to me. I'm not going to edit that, by the way. Uh, <laughs> he is the wizard of our questing crew, being that he's super smart and super old. Uh, that's Commander Scott. Hello, hello, hello. And uh, found out something very interesting this week because I try to find out something very interesting, well, every day, but at least once a week. <clears throat> you ever written down a word or said a word in succession many times and it just doesn't look right or it doesn't sound right anymore? Like, you know, like you said spoon like 50 times, spoon, spoon, spoon. It just, it stops holding meaning for what the object is. You ever, you ever had that happen? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so uh, there's actually a term for this. It, it is a known psychological phenomenon called semantic satiation, uh, in which uh, repetition causes a word or phrase to temporarily lose meaning to the listener, who then perceives the speech as repeated meaningless sounds. So, go forth, sally forth with that, and do with it what you will. Semantic satiation. Yeah. I was going to make a joke about this show being semantic satiation, but I'm not smart enough to come up with one right now. So insert your own joke about us repeating <laughs> stuff here. Uh, filling out our questing crew. He's got an epic beard. He's probably carrying as many weapons as he can fit on every nook and cranny, and he's wasted. Over long distances. He's actually very short, uh, over short distances. It's the dwarf of our party, the duck. It still only counts as one. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, I'm not that short. That's true. I'm shorter than him. I didn't. Did I say you were short? I, thought, I said epic beard and carries lots of weapons. Uh, yeah. so, something about long and short and short and long. I don't know. I wasn't. 100% focused You're wasted there for a second. Over long distances. Dwarves are natural sprinters. Ah, ah. 
Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Natural sprinter. That's me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In a nutshell. Shut up, Gimli. <clears throat> anyway, uh, no, I was just trying to match up because personality-wise, it did. Scott's oh. definitely Gandalf, and you're definitely Gimli. Oh, I get it. Oh, Sorry? I want to I be Gimli. Actually, no, that's not true. I don't want to be Gimli. Although I love Gimli. Don't get me wrong. But I want to be, uh, and I forget the character's name, but I want to be Billy Connolly from uh, the, the end of, for the Dwayne Smout. Not Dwayne. Dane? Dane? Is, his name, is, is that the character? Something with the D, I'm pretty sure. I like uh, Dwayne better. <laughs> Dwayne the Dwarf. Dwayne? Uh, <laughs> Because, you know, Billy Connolly is the best reason to, to, to watch that movie. Uh, yeah, it's hard to argue against that. So, uh, But uh, we are the Tart Nerdy Toomey crew uh, coming to you with your weekly nerd alerts. And we are sort of finishing off. Um, so two weeks ago, we did a deep dive into what we're calling the golden age of fantasy movies, which was the 1980s, where it seemed like every year there were two or three or four epic fantasy movies coming out uh, that, while may or may not have been so well-received at the time, nowadays are pretty well, you know, beloved favorites. Uh, everything from Princess Bride to Krull was mentioned. Uh, give it a listen. Uh, but the reason we did that is is uh, we wanted to take kind of a, a deep dive into the fantasy genre, but... Really, fantasy genre kind of divides itself into two time periods because we have the golden age of the 80s, we have the cold, full drought uh, that is the 90s, where there was just no real fantasy movies. You know, there's a few here and there sprinkled throughout the decade, but for the most part, it's you know, your, your uh, historical fiction kind of stuff like Braveheart, which is technically based on history, but not really. Um, your Gladiator, which again, technically based on history, but not really. Uh, those kind of took over and were the popular thing. But circle back around to a magical year of 2001, where we went on an odyssey, not into space, but right back down that rabbit hole of fantasy. Uh, two movies came out in that same year that helped completely launch a renaissance of fantasy movies. And those were Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, and uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, both of which would kick off franchises um, and and really kind of kickstart the whole fantasy genre. Uh, and and just to give you a sense, hold on, I got a list here. <clears throat> so from 2000 to about last year uh, I sat down and tried to come up with every fantasy movie I could think of and I stopped when I hit 50 good lord um, yeah yeah uh, <laughs> some of these you could maybe argue aren't maybe necessarily fantasy but I thought they had enough uh, to fit in there but uh, and, and the reason for that is let me throw out some numbers at you <laughs> Lord of the Rings 2.9 billion that's the cumulative worldwide gross of all three movies that's an average of $991 million per movie. Uh, they average a 93% Rotten Tomato score. And the franchise, the trilogy, brought home 17 Academy Awards. So moderately successful. You could say it was, if you want to stretch the numbers a bit, I think you could uh, say it was not a total flop. Right, um, 
<clears throat> Harry Potter, over eight movies uh, that stretched just over a decade, $7.7 billion total. Uh, that's $971.3 million a movie average. Uh, so as we all know in Hollywood, money talks. Um, those two movies, both launching in that year, sort of set a hit was, was sort of the starting gun of we're off to the races. Of, wow. Look at how much money these made. Look at how popular they are. Look at the merchandising rights. Uh, everyone wants to be <laughs> merchandising. merchandising. <laughs> Boy, Harry Potter, the flamethrower. The kids love that one. Uh, it, 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 it launched. Everyone was trying to be the next Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or a combination thereof. And there were a lot of misses, a lot of misfires, a lot of franchise false starts. But we had some genuine diamonds in the rough um throughout the years so uh unless anyone else has something to add to that we're going to jump in and give you what we think are the diamonds in the rough well i i tell you when when i started looking you know for this for this show uh for tonight's episode uh because i I was having trouble coming up with stuff offhand i'm like what, what the hell came out that i like outside of lord of the rings and Harry Potter, and I'm not even a big, big Harry Potter movies fan, um, but I couldn't think of any, so I started looking at the list, and apparently after 2001, I did not watch, like, hardly any of what the fantasy genre becomes, because it... it it looks like it, I guess after Harry Potter hit, of course, after Lord of the Rings, which is the, the focal point of our show, I guess everybody started trying to buy up all kinds of book series uh, properties uh, and such, I, I, for, especially like young reader, young adult series and things. Yep. Uh, and a lot of these I'd never heard of. And it, it looked like... Uh, it looked like it kind of entered into an era of what I call, you know, fantasy with the CW paintbrush. <laughs> There's certainly a bunch of that, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there were very few fantasy movies in this era that I've actually seen. So, okay. <clears throat> Golden Compass, British to Terabithia, Spider-Witch Chronicles, Aragorn... Tales of Earthsea, Enchanted, Chronicles of Narnia, which was a trilogy, Brothers Grimm, Ella Enchanted, Stardust, The Seeker, Beowulf, 300, Gods of Egypt. Uh, I can't read my own handwriting on this one. Frozen, Hobbit Trilogy, Clash of the Titans remake, Bright, Fantastic Beasts, two movies, Percy Jackson, two movies, Immortals, Seventh Son, Huntsman, Snow White and the Huntsman, Jack the Giant Slayer, Last Witch Hunter, Kid Who Would Be King, Conan the Barbarian, Maleficent, uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice, Pan, and that's just page one. Uh, Movies that I got to that I would consider would fit within the fantasy genre. Yeah. See, in in that list right there, you just rattled off. I think there's maybe four I've seen. Yeah, there's, like I said, they're not all good. Uh, it It was that. Like you said, anything that fit within the um, that young adult with a fantasy twist. I mean, you, if you want to, you could probably throw a Twilight in there and make an argument for it. But anything that fit within that um, 
classification. Everyone bought up. Everyone was trying to crank him out and be the next Harry Potter, um, or or Lord of the Rings. My uh, um, my wife. There's got, a lot of crap. My uh, my wife got got a little miffed at me when it came to the Twilight stuff. Oh, well, because because she read the novels, she watched the movie, she was. She she was all about the series and and, and I'm fine with that. I don't I, I I try really hard not to like judge or anything. Uh, You're what with that? Uh, I'm jiggy with it. There it is. But she she wanted me to sit down and watch one of the movies with her. Uh, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, okay, I'll watch it. I'll give it a try. So we're watching it and everything, you know. And I'm like, okay, so. The vampires aren't killed by sunlight, right? No. They just sparkle. It reveals that they're vampires, right? Yes. Okay. Why aren't they ruling the world? Because <laughs> uh, you've taken away the only, the, the only, the biggest downside of being a vampire was the whole, you know, we're pretty much comatose during the day and vulnerable thing. The, the They outclass humans in every other way. Why aren't they ruling the world because like, well, they just want to fall in love with high school girls well it's like well she said because the council whatever they're called the council won't let them i'm like well, why not but well, why don't why don't they just rule the world and raise the human race like you know beef stock uh i don't get it it, it makes no sense to me so me pointing uh, that little plot hole she got a little miffed at me look i'll say this if you want a good time uh get whatever uh booze of choice you have Throw on a Twilight movie with the Rift Tracks audio commentary. Yeah. Uh, it's a good time. Uh, I've I've looked. <clears throat> I don't I don't mean to make this about Twilight, but you, you can make an argument for the books. Fine, and and certainly if you're a fan, be a fan. Uh, never let somebody be a hater and ruin your love of something. That's fine. Go ahead and be a fan. But those <laughs> movies, from an objective point of view, I've never read the books. <clears throat> those movies are god awful. The acting is wooden. The direction is boring. The cinematography is all the color is stripped out of every scene. The special effects are hammy at best. The pacing is terrible. There's, they're, they're objectively bad movies. Uh, just because it's a movie based on a book you love doesn't mean you have to love the movie. <laughs> Did I mention Percy Jackson? Um, yeah, Harry Potter. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, I was surprised. Some of the Harry Potter movies do not have great uh, Rotten Tomato scores, but well, I, I got I even got to the point where I, I would almost not consider the Harry Potter movies to be really fantasy because the whole thing is you know they're they're wizards, wizards in training, but they're wizards with spells and stuff. And so now I love the books. Don't get me wrong, I love the books. <clears throat> But the movies, because of time constraints, and I, I understand why, they stripped out, you know, all the world building that uh, J.K. Rowling does in those books. And all the, the nuanced things that I thought was fun are gone from the movies, especially after once you start getting like to the third one and up. Um, and by the end of it, they're not even wielding spells anymore. They just flick their wands and blaster bolts come out of them. Literally, they're just blaster sticks. It's 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 just pew 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 pew. That's it. There's no damn spells. There's no finesse. It's just you know, flick your wands and blaster bolts come out. 
Yep. It's boring. Learn Plasma Bolt, and you're done. Yep. Uh, so, but it's okay. It's okay. Hey, that's what we do on this show. We go down rabbit holes. That being said, uh, the point of the show is not just to dump on Twilight. Um, we are here to to give you, again, lots of movies between 2001 and, and now. Uh, they were sort of chasing that Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings high. A lot of bad ones out there. We're here to tell you the ones we think are actually worth giving a watch and why we think it's worth giving a watch. Uh, so let's make sure he's awake. Gimli, you want to go first, buddy? Ah, uh, yeah. What are we talking about again? <laughs> Twilight and why I hate it. Oh, right. <clears throat> yeah. Other and, than the uh, fact that when they become werewolves, they stop wearing shirts. Anyway, <clears throat> my point is that I'm going to start us off with the series that Scott is not so high on. He likes the books. But not the movies. Well, I can watch the movies. They're just yeah. not on my list. But I'm going to start with actually my favorite one. Um, and like, we, you know, the first Harry Potter, the uh, Sorcerer's Stone, is like a kid's movie, you know, because that's like the age group to get them kind of into it. Um, the second one was also kind of a kid's movie. But actually, my favorite Harry Potter is uh, Goblet of Fire. Um, I really enjoyed that movie. I haven't yet gotten to the book, or I started the book, but I can't never remember. admit that on this show, Jay. Oh, so so you saw the movies before reading the books? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. I'm 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 not I'm not trying to disparage you for that. That there, there's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but uh, so yeah, I mean, Goblet of Fire, I think, is of the Harry Potter series probably my favorite of the series it's it's one of the better books it, it does keep a decent plot line and it keeps some stuff in but <clears throat> you know once you once you get into the once you get into the nuances that the that are in the books that they had to strip out of the movies um that's what i think puts the the movies in the back seat for harry potter and i i don't disagree with that like i said i haven't i read the first three so when i when the school got shut down back in march i had a lot of free time on my hands and i binge watched all the harry potter movies and then i asked my sister-in-law to borrow the books and she let me and i started reading them um but by the time i had finished three books and started the fourth driver's ed started and i didn't have as much free time on my hands anymore and then school started picking back up and whatnot uh so i want to get circle back around to finishing those books but in the meantime i did watch all the movies um like i said goblet of fire was my favorite yeah it's uh, a solid pick man it's the just it the was, tournament is awesome yeah 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 you it's got a lot of fantasy elements to it with you know they're fighting dragons the um going into the lake to save their selected friend mm -hmm. um just all that there's a lot of things and this i really enjoyed the plot and the the sort of trap to get harry at the, um, end. <clears throat> at the end and it just kind of like it was 
to me, yeah, pris- three was Prisoner of Azkaban, right? Yes. So to me, that one was darker, but I feel like Goblet of Fire really pushed us down the dark hole. Um, and I want to say that Goblet of Fire is the movie that I was like, yeah, okay, all right, all right, I've yeah, let's uh, let's see where this goes. Um, because I watched the first two, and like I said, I think they're very geared towards kids. And the third one, I did didn't hate, but I also was like, okay, this one really just really changed it for me. So that's why I picked this one specifically. Yeah, of of the Harry Potter movies, uh, I, I would have to agree that one, in my opinion, is probably the best. Um, the one I liked, liked the least of all is uh, Deathly Hallows Part 1. Yeah, because uh, it's yeah. only half a freaking story. Well, it's, it's not even... It's not even just because of that. It's it's the first half of the novel, which I hated the first half of the novel because they're both they're pretty much the same in that all they do is walk around the woods and bitch at each other the entire time. It's the Blair Witch Project. Uh, <laughs> why'd you kick, why'd you throw the map? I kicked the map in the creek. It, it's it's just it's boring as hell. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. Which is why I get frustrated when people are like, oh yeah, I like Deathly Hell's Part 2 the best. I'm like, oh, so you like the conclusion of the entire franchise the best? Wow, look at you. <laughs> like, there's the Deathly Hell's Part 1 is all the boring exposition and setup that we've already had at that point. Like, the, the, the two movies leading up to that are a lot of setup and plotting and boring shit. Like, there's so many cooler things we could have cut back to, especially in the movies where you have the chance to flesh out some of the stuff in the books. Like, what was going on during Hogwarts while Harry and them were out in the woods? You could have easily made a B storyline with that and cut back to that instead of just having them be, like you said, arguing in the woods in the tent the whole time. Um, but they didn't do any of that because it wasn't in the book, so we can't do it. Uh, it's it's so goddamn boring. That whole movie is so goddamn boring. Have have you heard the, the, the comedic bit that, that goes around where uh, and people like to make videos of other people blind reacting to this who are Harry Potter fans that uh, J.K. Rowling just wrote Star Wars with sucky lightsabers. <laughs> I thought we established they were uh, pew pew sticks. I call them pew pew sticks. He calls them sucky lightsabers. So. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, it's okay. I heard Lord of the Rings just ripped everything off Harry Potter. So nice. oh, yes. that's what the kids <laughs> on the internet say. Blatant rip off of Harry Potter. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> I remember. When uh, when Fellowship of the Ring came out in uh, in in theaters, um, and it was either that December, right before Christmas, uh, or just after Christmas, I was at uh, a Barnes and Noble, and uh, of course they had all the uh, the the, the uh, Tolkien novels out on a table, you know, in a big centerpiece. Cause, right. Uh, and uh, so yeah, that's kind of cool. You know, and of course they had. You know, movie poster stuff on them and stuff like that, or whatever. And uh, I heard some teenager or something talking to her friend. I'm like, can you believe they've already written novels about this movie? Like, oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I can one. I can dot that. Uh, oh boy. Okay. Okay. I don't remember. Several years ago, uh, somebody made a miniseries called The Bible. 
where they were adapting stories from the Bible. I'm not making this up. There is a novelization of the Bible, the miniseries. Yikes. And it's not just a copy of the Bible. It's a novelization of the miniseries, the Bible. Wow. Wow. That's and you know somebody bought it. Like somebody's yep. out yep. there buying it. Like so six and one, half a dozen in the other of uh people being stupid. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh Scott, what you got? Well, like I said, in this era I have not watched a lot. Um uh one of the fantasy movies that I did watch and, and I kind of enjoyed. Uh, apparently it did not do well in the box office and critical review or anything. I don't have any numbers, but, uh, I enjoyed Warcraft. You jerk. I liked Warcraft. Now, keep in mind, I've played World of Warcraft. I firmly acknowledge that the movie has problems. Uh, the whole thing of we have good orcs and humans that are trying to show the other humans we're trying to get past the human prejudice and show them that these orcs are the good orcs and then we've got other bad orcs which are the horde and it's the invasion of azeroth and everything they probably could have cut that down and gone just a little more black and white in their in their plot and just gone with humans good orcs bad (laughs) we are talking about a video game here um that being said, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed all the locations in the film because, you know, there's there's lots of places they were in the movie. I'm like, oh, hey, I know where they're at, you know, because I've, I've played the game. They didn't call attention to them. They weren't trying to say if you didn't know where they were at, it, it didn't detract from the story. It's just, hey, this is where we are. If you know it, cool. So whoever did that part of the, the movie as far as the locations and, and everything, I'm not sure who it was. Uh, I, I know it was a, was a huge World of Warcraft fan, and I applaud him for that. Uh, another downside that I think the movie had to suffer through was uh, the, the, its main actor. Uh, as far as I believe, as far as I know, it's the same actor that was playing... Um, uh, What's Ragnar. Yeah, Ragnar Lothbrook in Vikings. And it's pretty much the fact that he was playing Ragnar Lothbrook in Vikings that got him the role. Why? Because he's playing Ragnar Lothbrook in this movie. Uh, <laughs> he's, there's no difference. Uh, so if they'd had a, a, a if they'd had a more simplified story um, <clears throat> with, with just more black and white, the orc invasion. And its effect on the world and, you know, the stopping of the, the, you know, basically the formation of the status quo at the beginning of um, World of Warcraft. And a different a different lead actor, uh, I think it probably could have done better. I'm not saying it would have been a huge blockbuster, it wouldn't have been the next Lord of the Rings, but I think it could have done better and maybe, maybe have done well enough to get them a second movie. Um, but I, I still enjoyed it. Well... Since Scott says he likes it and then took a dump on it, um, let me back that up because number two on my list is Warcraft. Ah. Uh, <clears throat> from t- 2016, 
Uh, Travis Fimmel is the uh, name of the actor uh, who's who's playing our lead character. It also has an amazing performance from Ben Foster, who's great in everything, whether it's a good movie or a bad movie. Uh, Dominic Cooper and Toby Kebbell doing great motion capture for our main orc. Um, the orc VFX is phenomenal. Uh, there are scenes in this that I think the first scene you meet um, uh, our, our hero orc, it, the, the the CGI is unreal. Uh, some scenes it gets a little more wonky than others, but in general, really, really, really good motion capture on there. Um, the whole movie looks beautiful. Yeah, it's great. Um, I was going to say the the um, uh, production design is great. Uh, it, it's it's definitely fantasy, but it's it's avoids pitfalls of being stereotypical fantasy. Uh, the armor is big and fantastic, but not quite as giant and over the top as it is in the video game. They kind of, they scaled it down a bit from the game to make it look so that, you know, a little more practical and realistic on the actors. Uh, but they didn't shy away from like, you know, the swords were giant. Uh, the, the props all had to be made out of uh, resin and plastic because if they were metal, no one could lift them. Um, but they still made them giant swords. Um, and I had uh, it avoids the pitfalls of humans good orcs bad, uh, which I thought was great. Uh, and apparently the the director when he first came on board threw out the previous drafts of the script because it was humans good orcs bad. Um, but I thought it was a, a great jumping on point. Uh, I played World of Warcraft for like two months in college, so I'm by no means an expert. Um, but I felt that it it, uh, it was a great jumping on point for people. If you've never spent a minute in Azeroth before, this is how it came to to be what it is by the time they get to WoW. Um, so you can jump right in and get caught up. Uh, <clears throat> and then one of the things that, that uh, I, important to remember, I think it was very clearly influenced by the success of Lord of the Rings in that it downplays any mention or appearances of elves or dwarves. They're in the movie, but they're basically extended cameos to just kind of like, Hey, we're here. Okay. Bye. Uh, Cause 99% of this movie is orcs and humans. Um, it cranks everything up to 11. Uh, like I said, the, the armor and the weapons and stuff, um, the uses of magic in this, uh, as much as I love Lord of the Rings, Gandalf is kind of a boring wizard. He doesn't really do any, you know, giant great magic stuff. Uh, he, he puts a shield around himself at one point, and he uh, he blinds some Nazgul with the searchlight at one point, and that's uh, that's about all we get for Gandalf and Lord of the Rings as far as doing magic goes. Uh, but in this one, we see the Guardian full out casting, you know, walls of lightning and teleporting everywhere, and uh, you know, they they crank that up. And if you're like, hey, can can the wizards do some magic? Here you go. Uh, and not just pew pew sticks. He, uh, in fact, I don't think he uses a pew pew stick the whole time. Um, <clears throat> but as far as video game movies go, I think this might be one of, if not the best, video game adaptation. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and I think it's a if you're a fan of the fantasy genre, but maybe you've avoided this because you didn't play any of the Warcraft games. That's fine. Jump right in. Yeah, I I, I would agree. Uh... This is this is one of, if not the best, video game adaptation movie that's been made. Uh, another one would probably be Spider Man Two, um, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I didn't mean to sound like I was taking a dump on the movie. Um, I, I I just felt that the the throwing out of uh, 
trying to blur that line of humans good, orcs bad as much as they did probably hurt it a bit. Because I'm sure you had a lot of people that went into this movie wanting to see humans good, orcs bad. We want to see Lord of the Rings. I mean, Lord of the Rings is humans good, Earth orcs bad. Now, the complexity comes with the fact that humans are fundamentally flawed creatures. Doesn't try to give you any good orcs. Orcs are most definitely the evil race in this. In fact, there's evil races of men in the Easterlings, but you're only going to get those if you watch the extended editions and know what the hell you're looking at. Um, But... uh, so when when you when you try to 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 do this, I don't know, misunderstood, free love hippie stuff in my fantasy, I can see where you're gonna get some problems. I don't, I, I totally disagree. I don't think it's that complicated. It, there's there's one orc who who sees, hey, maybe what we're doing's not so great. You know, the the magic we used to get here, we literally wiped out an entire race. Maybe that's not good. And and the humans aren't uh, they they're they're fighting the orcs because the orcs have been like you know taking out all their outposts and stuff. But when when it's first brought up to the king that hey they might want to like talk to you before we launch into war, he's like okay cool let's talk. Like I don't I don't see what hippie shit you're talking about, and I definitely don't think it's overly complicated. It's just it's not straight up. Oh they're bad because they're orcs. It's like well no not necessarily. Uh, in the humans aren't always great and the orcs aren't always bad. I think that's a little more, maybe that's a little more nuanced than people expected from a video game adaptation, but yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It was more nuanced and you know, I mean, uh, still don't think it's that nuanced that, that people would get confused by it. I, I didn't say people got confused. I said they were wanting black and white. They went there expecting one thing and they got something else and it wasn't what they were expecting. And you know how people are when they get something they're not expecting. We don't like it. All right. Uh, but yeah, it uh, it did not do very well box office. It uh, did much better overseas than it did here in the U.S. Uh, and as of February last year, uh, Blizzard has announced they are working on another Warcraft movie. I don't know if it'll be a follow-up to this or a whole new entry uh, at a different point in the timeline. I don't know. But uh, they are working on another Warcraft movie. So Hopefully it has to do with the dwarves this time. And again, I think that's maybe one thing that, because with with this property, you could have dialed it, you know, like I said, cranked it up to 11. And and there's so many races and uh, uh, locations in this world you could have visited. Um, And and it's a very, very, uh, it's a tightrope to walk of how much is too much. uh, Because there's there's some given. Uh, and, and you could have completely overwhelmed and confused your audience um, with all the different races you could have thrown in. And, and, and maybe they went too far the opposite direction and scaled it back too much. Uh, trying to find that happy medium. Um, I think you could definitely, you know, because there's so many other races in, in, in World of Warcraft, like the Tauren, uh, which are basically giant cow people. Uh, there's a race of, you know, sentient pandas. Uh, there's the, you know, multiple classes of, of elves. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff. There's undead. Um, there, there's so many different classes you can get into in in World of Warcraft. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe we're at a point now where you can make one that doesn't have humans at all. <clears throat> all I know is they keep the damn pandas out of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think you'd start with them. But... I mean, 
those pandas when they came into the game they were just so damn cliched with kung fu panda that's all it was somebody saw kung fu panda and said let's make them a race what no god gotta chase that money uh, but now so there uh two of the three of us recommended jay have you seen warcraft i have not put it on your list along with all the other things from right after last... crawl yep yeah Oh, so are we back around? That... Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to take kind of a left turn from live action into the animated turn. realm. <laughs> uh, into the animated realm for an animated fantasy film. Um, probably not the one that you're expecting. Uh, the one that I'm thinking of came out from Pixar and they ended up having to release it on Disney plus. Uh, they couldn't do, uh, they couldn't do a theatrical release for it. And I ended up watching it on, uh, Disney plus and the, let's just say the plot line of this movie kind of hit home a little harder for me, uh, when I watched it. Yeah. Movie I'm talking about is on. Uh, I loved that movie. I really did. It's it's definitely not Pixar's best work by any means. Um, it sure ain't Cars too. So right, got uh, that going for it. It has actually a pretty stellar voice cast. Um, it it definitely sucked me in when I saw the trailer for this, where it's like, you know, they've got like, uh, you know, Pixies and a Pegasus and all this other stuff. And then there's like a jet flying over and you're like, kind of go, huh? So it's, they take basically dungeons and dragons and fast forward it into what it would be like with current technology. Um, so if you haven't seen it yet, I'm probably going to spoil some stuff for you, but uh, Ian and his brother, hold on. I had his name here. Barley. Uh, go on a quest. Uh, it turns out that their dad was a wizard and he left a spell and his wizard wand to bring him back for 24 hours. Spell goes bad. Buffoonery uh, comes after that. I just really enjoyed it because it was like a brother bonding movie, but also had some really great fantasy aspects. Um, and my favorite my favorite character had to be the manticore. Um, the big lion, winged lion thing. The, yeah, the, the proprietress of uh, the, uh, uh, the, the the now-themed restaurant. Yes. Oh, God, that was, oh, it was so funny. Yeah. I laughed really hard at her, um, especially when she started, when her and the mom got into her van and started, like, they were going after the boys, and then... She was drinking Red Bulls or basically energy drinks and was just jazzed up. It was, yeah. But I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I thought the story was good. It's not the strongest Pixar movie, like I said, but it's an enjoyable uh, watch. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched this one. I, I enjoyed it as well. Uh, it was it was a fun little romp. It was a good fantasy version of uh, Weekend at Bernie's. Uh, <laughs> uh 
But uh, and I say that because it's because it's funny because you know. But I, I really did enjoy the movie. It, it was good, and I have to admit they they did uh, kind of turn it on me a little bit at the end because the entire time I'm watching it, like a lot of what's coming is is easily seen. You know, you can see it coming a mile away. Oh, okay, I see where they're going. I know, blah blah blah. And then at the end, they kind of twisted it up on me a little bit. And, uh, it was good. It was a very good movie. It's, really... it's definitely much more of a slow burn than Pixar can be uh, in that the the high drama, the emotion doesn't really hit till further in the third act. Um, but I, what I loved about this movie, which Jay talked about earlier, is is the entire notion of the world they live in. <clears throat> um, if you want to see this done terribly, watch Bright on Netflix uh, it's trying to do the same thing, but it fails miserably. But the the whole idea behind the world of Onward is <clears throat> basically it started out as your stereotypical Lord of the Rings. Um, but magic is really hard, and not everyone can do it. And slowly technology advanced, and that's so much easier. Just, just turn on a light bulb than like cast a spell to have you know the sun come back up or something. So the whole world basically gave up on magic because it was hard, and not, not everyone can do it. But it's all still there. Like, it's all still just under the surface. Uh, so even though we live in an age of, you know, fast food and cars and school and all that kind of shit, it, all that fantasy stuff is just under the surface. Uh, to the point where Barley's, um, what do they call it, Legends of Lore or Legends of Yore, um, mm-hmm. which is a, a, a D&D game, basically. But it's, <laughs> for their world, historically based dungeons and dragons because (laughs) it's all based off of what was real at one point in their timeline um which i thought that whole like wrapping my head around that notion was was awesome like his his spell book or (laughs) or real spells yeah yeah not many people left in society had the mojo to actually cast a real spell so just the and all the different things that they did with it like when he accidentally shrunk barley and then later he gets the spell right and turns that Cheeto into a giant Cheeto. Yeah. That they ride. Um, but to me, the one of the funniest elements of the whole movie was that they go on this giant quest. I mean, just massively long quest that they end up right back to like where they started. <laughs> You're just like, what? It's just that got to me. It was pretty funny. They had to come full circle. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my second pick. I really enjoyed it. Um, it Solid was, pick, buddy. The, oh, God. Colt, Bronco, the. Um, oh, Jason. Oh, no. What? what Isn't it I can't, No, I can't think of the. Um, the name of the van? No, the. No, his that's his name. The character's name is Colt Bronco. He's the half. Oh, and I can't yeah, think the, the mom's boyfriend. Yeah, he. I thought he was hilarious too. Like it, just you know the fact that the mom is dating him. <laughs> you're just like you're okay with all these different kinds of characters because it's in world, um, or like the biker gang of pixies that took like 20 pixies to ride the motorcycle. It was just a fun fantasy movie that like, you know, just kind of turned the fantasy world on its head. Yeah. The world building is really well done. Yeah. Pixar is always good with that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind to see a second 
second film in that world. Yeah, that would. Yeah, I'd watch it. Of course, I watch pretty much anything Pixar that comes out. So even Cars too. Um, actually, I have not seen Cars too. Continue yeah. to not see Cars too. That is the one. I think that's the one like major Pixar movie I've never seen. Because I will say I have seen Planes. That was not good. I don't think Planes was Pixar. I think that was Disney Animation. But it's was a spinoff. It? Yeah. So I don't think that's technically I don't think that's a, a Pixar movie. But I could be wrong. Well, it's still not good. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my pick. Uh, Solid pick, buddy. I like it. Scott? It was good. Well, once again, I don't have a lot to pick from from this era. But since we've already lumped it into this era, uh, I'm going to go ahead and talk about it. And I'm just going to throw it out as the whole trilogy. Um, I really like, I liked the Hobbit trilogy. Uh, And uh, I, I know there's a lot of people who didn't because... There's a lot of stuff that's added in from, you know, the Lost Tales and the Cimmerillion and stuff uh, to flesh, flesh it out to three movies. And I know the whole argument about the three movies versus two versus one and blah, 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 blah. I, I don't care about any of that. Um, because all through even the Lord of the Rings and everything, Peter Jackson takes a lot of creative license with uh with with Tolkien's world to try and tell a very complete story um uh and, and update it for modern audiences and stuff and I personally think Peter Jackson does a phenomenal job uh of that <clears throat> um I mean we get a lot of this stuff there's 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 a little bit more world building you know in these movies um uh because like this movie deals with uh, Sauron, where these movies deal with Sauron returning to Middle-earth, the Nazgul being resurrected and everything. But it does it subtly. If you don't know what you're looking at, you don't realize what you're looking at. Um, and none of that, of course, is in The Hobbit. Um, but I went to see um, the the first one uh, three times in theaters just to see Erebor at its height again, over and over again, because, God, that was gorgeous, and it was beautiful. Um, they were attacked by the dragon, of course, and and uh, uh, to me, that's just the height of... That's the height of 80s... Uh, AD&D 2nd Edition. You know, you get the, the, dwarven, the dwarven fortress being attacked by the dragon uh, and everything. Um... Uh, the, the 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 dwarves being put together to go on this 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 great quest which is not about saving the world which is another thing that i like it's just a quest it's just an adventure that these people are going on um <clears throat> love that uh then of course we get all the way to the end where we get the battle of five armies um we don't we see more of the battle of five armies in the movie than we ever do in the books uh, because in the books, Bilbo gets literally knocked unconscious. Uh, and we track on him in the book. Um, but those fucking elves in the Battle of Five Armies. <laughs> I mean, you've got the world's greatest 
artillery support standing behind the world's greatest shield wall. And Fenrir, I think his name is Fen, Fen, Fenrir, Legolas's dad, being the complete tool that he is, you know, uh, instead of just having this awesome defensive position behind the dwarven shield wall, orders a fucking charge. And I'm like, you dumb shit. You just completely blew your ranks. Now you have no lines anywhere. You just, you know what? Just, just go back to your damn little forest, and and sip some tea or something, and and let let the people who have an actual brain in their head fight this damn battle. You dumb shit. Sorry. Deep breath. <clears throat> Deep breath. <clears throat> um. I think every shortcoming of this trilogy, and they're numerous, comes down to the fact that Peter Jackson never intended to direct these movies, never planned on directing these movies, literally never planned these movies. At the last minute, they lost the intended director. The entire thing was about to fall apart. Like They were literally going to lose their green light and their funding. If Peter Jackson hadn't jumped in in the 11th hour to say, okay, I'll direct them and keep the whole thing afloat. Uh, So literally they were shooting stuff that I think they ended up with something like uh, eight months, eight to nine months, roughly of pre-production planning before the cameras were rolling. So they were literally making shit up as they went sometimes with this stuff because there was no time I mean, that's a short time period to prep a movie. They had to prep what was going to be two movies and then ballooned into three movies. Yeah. Um, So I don't think the Hobbit movies are as strong as Lord of the Rings. I think it's mostly because of, again, because they didn't have a strong idea of what they were doing before. Which is not to say that Lord of the Rings, you know, they didn't do rewrites throughout the entire shoot. Um all of the actors will tell you about that, but it, it it lacks an overall kind of focus. That being said, I'm with you, Scott. I love Peter Jackson's interpretation of the role of Tolkien and whatever gets me more of that. I am a hundred percent on board for, I like that. They included all of the things that, you know, Gandalf just disappears. Okay. Well, what the hell is he doing? Here you go. Uh, it gives you greater context. Uh, it, it's, it's trying to serve so many masters. It's trying to be an adaptation of the Hobbit. It's trying to be a sequel to Lord of the Rings, even though it's not, uh, there's so many things that are thrown in there just because, well, Lord of the Rings did it and we're trying to follow that. So we got to throw this in there and you can argue if they went too far that direction or others. I think, you know, having Legolas in there was a cool idea. I don't think Legolas needed to be in two of the three movies. Um, I think there were easy ways to work him in where he wouldn't dominate so much, but they gave him his entire storyline, which ended up being the most stupid drivel uh, uh, love triangle crap that we totally didn't need. Yeah. I'm fine throwing in Tariel as a, uh, you know, uh, Sylvan elf. That's cool to explore the, the, the differences between the elf types. That's cool. But again, the plot goes essentially nowhere. Um, my biggest complaint with the, throughout the entire Hobbit trilogy is, we lost all of our practical goblins and uh, orcs and everything was CGI. And it gets a little Star Wars prequely where you're like, okay, I'm watching actors run in front of blue screen in front of mocap people. Wow. It's like watching the video game cutscene. See, that that doesn't bother me, I guess, as much as it does you. Because I, I, I can 
I can turn. I can make myself ignore it. I, like when they're in Goblin Town, uh, I see Goblin Town. I see the goblins. I see. I, I don't see the green screen and mocap and everything. I just don't. That's all I can see because. And here's what here's. If Hobbit existed in a bubble, it might not bother me so much. But because of Lord of the Rings, because Lord of the Rings used every film trick in the book because they didn't have a giant budget to just CGI everything, they had to build practical suits and put stuntmen in them and have real fights on the camera. They mm-hmm. built, uh, they call miniatures, but they're they're all like 20 feet tall miniatures. They're big yeah. enough that you could shoot them with a camera and have it look photorealistic on screen. We didn't use any of that. We just fucking CGI'd everything. And again, it goes back to, we didn't have time to plan it. We didn't know what we needed models for. We didn't have, I mean, they were literally redesigning Azog right up until like uh, a couple weeks before the movie came out. Uh, his design kept changing and changing. They, I think they even ended up going through like two different voice actors um, because of the changes made at the last minute. And then that's really sad. Um, and uh, maybe I know too much about the making of, but yeah. <clears throat> that's me. But no, like, again, there's plenty of stuff in there that I heard people bitch about that I thought was awesome. We finally get to see Gandalf do some magic shit. He lights pine cones on fire and uh, splits rocks and uh, uses his big voice. Uh, we we get to see Radagast uh, and and uh, the Council and and uh, Sauron kind of uh, at their not at their prime but like you know <clears throat> doing stuff. Um, yeah, I I, I liked uh, as much as I know they did change uh, the dwarves from the book as far as their their looks and everything to make them a little more uh, film friendly and I guess you know pretty. Uh, um, I I loved the the portrayal of the dwarves on screen. Um, Thorin I thought was good. Um, excuse me. Uh, the but yeah, I agree with you on the whole love triangle. Uh, with uh, ah, shit, what's her name? Uh, Tariel. Yeah, she did not even need to be there at all. None of that love triangle needed to be there. Nope. The only, didn't need to be there. Yeah, the only good thing that she really had going for her was she was not played by Liv Tyler. Uh, you know, it's waiting for that. But uh, overall, though, I, when it when it comes to fantasy post Lord of the Rings, and, and I, I guess you could make an argument that this is still Lord of the Rings, and more so than it is The Hobbit. Um, but it is just like Warcraft. It is made in the wake of Lord of the Rings, and it is yeah. this adaptation of The Hobbit would not be what it is without Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. The the adaptation previously done by Peter Jackson. Like so many things are. Uh, there's a um, a YouTuber I love to watch um, called Lindsay Ellis, um, and she does a, a like a three or four part breakdown of the entire history of The Hobbit and what happened and all that. Yeah. And there's an entire section of her review where she goes movie by movie. That's just shit we did because Lord of the Rings did it. Uh, and every movie has moments like that where it's like, this is only here because Lord of the Rings exists and made money, and we're trying to repeat that. <clears throat> so, yeah, but uh, but post Lord of the Rings world fantasy, it's it's one of my favorites. Um, I, I do a watch through of it right along with Lord of the Rings every Christmas season. My wife does that about every third week. <laughs> In fact, I'm I'm currently up to uh, I've gone through Lord of the Rings and I watched uh, I watched uh, uh, 
an unexpected was it, unexpected party journey uh, journey thank you um uh last saturday so nice yeah love it all right strap in guys i'm gonna get a little weird oh boy it, it wouldn't be me if, if i didn't have at least one weird one okay <clears throat> this movie got a lot of shit when it came out uh undeservedly so uh, it also came out in 2016 with warcraft which I, apparently was just a, a bad year for fantasy movies um this is not based in any western uh, uh fantasy or or mythology oh boy <laughs> it is and it's not really even based on eastern it, it's just sort of uh, uh it, it uh, I'll, you'll get what a minute um is there a ponytail involved I think so. Hold on. Um, again, this movie got so much undeserved crap when it came out. And I think most people wrote it off without even watching it, which sucks because it's a really, really fun movie. I'm um, talking about... Uh, hold on. Let me, uh, okay. <clears throat> as the opening text of the movie will tell you, it has stood for centuries as one of mankind's most enduring adventures. Uh, it spans 5,500 miles and took more than 1,700 years to build. It has protected the land from many dangers, some of which are known, others that are legend. This is one of the legends. Talking about the Great Wall. With Matt Damon, Pedro Pascal, Willem Dafoe, and Tian Jing. Uh, a joint venture between legendary pictures here in the U.S. and the uh, Chinese government uh, film production, <coughs> whatever they call it. Um, look, Matt Damon and Pedro Pascal are European mercenary buddies uh, who have such an awesome backstory. I would love to just see like movies of their backstory and how they met and the battles they've been through. Um, but they found themselves in China chasing after black powder trying to get their gunpowder trying to get their hands on it to bring it back and be rich that leads them to roundabout the great wall which is manned by an entire army uh called was it the secret army or this that didn't make very good notes um <clears throat> basically it's this entire army and it's done straight out of like a chinese kung fu movie Every division of this army has different colored armor uh, based on what their job is. And and the conceit is the entire reason the wall exists and that this army is manning the wall is because on the other side of it is a race of monsters that are trying to get past the wall and into like main China and take over the world. And and they come out every, I forget what it is, like 57 years or something like that. Uh, so the army rebuilds its defenses and tries new tactics to to put down this army again. And Matt Damon and Pedro Pascal find themselves caught up in the middle of this. They're you know they they're trying to steal the black powder, and, and Matt Damon's balancing. Uh, I'm here to make money because I'm a mercenary, but I've kind of find found something worth fighting for after all these battles I've been through. Um, look, <clears throat> I'm not going to say it's a great movie, but it's fun as hell. Uh, it's got really good CGI. Pedro Pascal and Matt Damon are awesome to watch together. Uh, again, they could make buddy cop movies, the two of them. Uh, it has awesome battle scenes, really cool monsters, um, badass archery scenes, because Matt Damon's character is an archer. And any movie that gives me badass uh, gravity and physics-defying archery shots, I'm there for. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, underlined great chemistry between Damon and Pascal. Um, it got crap at the time for being a white savior movie, which it is not at all remotely. Um, again, this was, was directed by a, a Chinese director. I'm going to butcher his name. Yamao Zhang, who directed the movie Hero with Jet Li, which is probably his best known movie here in the States. Um, joint co-production between the U.S. and Chinese government. Uh, it, it, it's it's not at all a white savior movie, but people immediately did slap that title on it because Matt Damon's face was on the poster. Um, <clears throat> it's an awesome movie. Give it a watch. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I did not see this. I, I don't know. I don't know why. Um, I honestly think I just saw Matt Damon and the Great Wall of China, and my brain just kind of came to a screeching halt, <laughs> uh, and couldn't accept it as reality. So, no, it's and again, like they they address that right off the bat. Is is no, he's not trying to play a Japanese or a Chinese person. Like he is literally him and Pedro Pascal are European. Um, uh, mercenaries. Uh, it's implied that they've you know fought in several wars, even the Crusades. Like so, Matt Damon's the archer. He starts out with a um, um, I can't think of words in places now. A Hun bow, uh, recurve bow, um, implying he got it you know from from um, like Attila the Hun. Uh, and then and Pedro Pascal is the swordsman, and he carries two swords. Jay, you'll appreciate this. He has a European-style crusader sword with a red cross on the pommel and strapped to that uh, facing downward so he can draw both of them at the same time off his back scabbard. He has a curved, um, um, like, Saracen... Um, um, I can't think of names now. Uh, um, um, uh, what the fuck is that kind of sword called? He's got a curved blade sword, like a Damascus steel curved blade sword, and it's it's the two of them are awesome to watch together. Uh, again, there's a lot of implied backstory of, of what they've been through before they even got to that. Uh, Willem Dafoe's there; <clears throat> he's always fun. Uh, just, it 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 got written off, you know, when it came out. And I don't think anyone really gave it a chance. But it's it's again not a great movie. Not trying to reinvent the genre. It's 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 you know it's not going to win any Oscars. But the monsters are cool. The visual effects are cool. The again the cinematography and the production design are fantastic there are scenes in this movie where you just like pause the screen and look at how gorgeous these scenes look um and in fun action so pop it in turn your brain off and enjoy well, yeah i have i haven't seen it either i know you told me about it i should see it i'd probably enjoy it i just haven't had a chance yet well knowing that it's not supposed to be because another thing that i i also thought was it was supposed to be some kind of a like historical based movie, like a period thing, which I normally love. But then I saw the previews and I saw like, I guess I saw the different color armors and the fantastical elements in the trailer. And I'm like, well, that's just dumb from a historical standpoint. It makes no sense. Um, But knowing that it's not supposed to be a historical movie at all. And I'm looking at its IMDb entry, the fact that James Horner did the score. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, well, did he do the score? Because this says it did. He did a he was, score. He said he was contracted before his death. So, did he actually not score the movie? No, I don't know. I don't. My notes do not contain that. <clears throat> That's annoying because I love James Warner. But no, it it is not remotely historically. Uh, it's not even trying to be that. It's literally like the the opening credit says it all. This is one of the legends. 
Uh, and it is not at all trying to be any kind of historical fiction. It is straight up just here's a fun story. Nice. Cool. Lots of weapons, Jay. Yeah. Spears and like. swords and cannons and crossbows and <clears throat> harpoons. And... It's awesome. But Axes. does it? But does it contain a golden shotgun that used to be a crucifix? It contains golden armor <laughs> and shields that have uh, like uh, uh, razors along the edge of them, so you can throw them and make it like a buzzsaw. Just putting that out there. Nice. Um, what about a dark saber? Does it give us a dark saber? Um, it gives us swords that are maybe darker in color. So, sure. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, uh, put a pin in that uh, um, golden shotgun, Jay. Put a pin in it. Yeah, put put a pin in that. Okay. I got one on my topic. Oh, well, because I was going to bring that up as my next one. Say what? I said I was going to bring that up as my next one. All right, bring it up then. So the way I look at it is if if you can make fantasy movies about Greek mythology or Roman mythology, (laughs) I think you can make a movie about other kind of mythology or theology. And it's not, I know it's a stretch to include it in the fantasy genre, but I would not call it sci-fi. I don't think of it as a necessarily a comic book movie. Um, It's not really a horror movie. So there's no real place for it. So I'm going to make an argument for it. And that movie is Constantine. I don't really have another place to put it. And yeah, there's not necessarily magic, but there's definitely something going on. Some sort of, I I gotta say like some sort of fantastical element uh, when he's destroying these demons and sending them back to hell. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of, theology in it for example the 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 guy finds the spear of destiny wrapped in a nazi flag um and so if you don't know what the spear of destiny is you know that's something there uh the i i looked up his name uh beeman beeman is john constantine's supplier and the things that he brings him kind of had a have a fantastical element to it like, for example, he brings him Dragon's Breath. Uh, says that it's very difficult to get. Um, I just, I really liked this movie. I When it first came out, I really liked it. I've seen it since then. I've watched it a few more times since then. Probably more than a few. Uh, I just really don't have any other sort of hole to put it in other than a fantasy style movie sort of set in what would have been today's society. I, I can see it as a modern fantasy. Um, 
I've never read the comics. My only exposure to Constantine has been through that movie and the short-lived TV show. Yeah. Um, but between the two, um, I, I would put the, the, I don't know. I, I could see the movie being a little bit more fantasy than comic than the show was. Yeah. I never saw the show. I just, this was just purely the movie. And I thought just everything, all the elements of that movie, like if you think about it. All the things that he, that John Constantine uses exercise these demons. Uh, sort of the, everything around it. The fact that, like, he can travel into hell. Um, just kind of like a lot of, almost like mythology behind it, but with Christian undertones instead of Greek you know what I mean? Yeah. And you ever want to piss Christians off, refer to it as mythology. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. No, it's, uh, Jay, I would say it's firmly in the uh, comic book category because it is, you're right, there's not a lot of. I guess you could call it a horror because there's like exorcisms and demons and stuff, but it's not really trying to be scary. Uh, it's definitely got some action to it, but I wouldn't really classify it as an action movie. Like, you know, it doesn't have like, you know, a giant action set piece every 15 minutes. Um, and it does deal very much with the whole heaven, hell, angels, demons kind of stuff. And, you know, humans caught in the middle. Um, Definitely a fun movie, and and I'm with you. Like I've never read a single Hellblazer comic in my life. I've I, I know just from fan outcry that uh, they're fans are of of the Hellblazer comic, which is what the, the John Constantine character is in the Hellblazer comics. Um, <clears throat> they're glad they changed the title because apparently it has nothing to do with John Constantine as he is in the comics. Uh, but I thought Keanu Reeves was fun to watch. The character was cool. Uh, the show was good. The show's definitely more accurate to the character in the comics, but still a fun movie. Um, and it's, it's definitely got enough of the supernatural occult element that you can you can fit it into a fantasy thing. Yeah. So that was my that was my next pick. I like it in the in the tradition of um, Big Trouble in Little China. Yep, got to have one in gotta left have field. One. One out of left field. Scott, you got another one for us? Well, once again, I didn't I didn't watch a lot of fantasy between the two, so this one's not a movie. Uh, it was a, a television series that was short-lived. Um, I kind of would have liked to have seen season two. Uh, I know there's, it's rife with inaccuracies to the books, but I've never read the books, so... It didn't stand out to me as much as it did to uh, the wives of some other people on this podcast. Uh, about Twilight now? No, 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 no. Not <laughs> no. Uh, in fact, I can't remember what I'm talking about. That's always good. Yeah, <laughs> because the title of it has completely slipped my mind. Uh, it's it's the one where it's the fantasy thing, but it's set like 
in the future of our world. Chronicles uh, of Shinara. Yeah, there you go. That thing. With uh, Deathstroke and all them guys in there. I liked the first season. I thought it was fun. Um, just straight up, you know, D&D-esque fantasy. Just layered on top of a post-apocalyptic version of our world. Once again, it only got like one season. I, I think thought, it had two. Did it have two? I thought it only had one. I thought it got pictured. Sure it had at least two seasons. Uh, I can firmly and accurately say I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, the I think the first season was on like MTV. The second season yeah. might have been on a different network, but I had I know I had at least two seasons because that's part of why uh, Manu Bennett had to they had to keep writing Deathstroke out because he was doing that show. Oh, yeah, two seasons. Yeah, I, I thought the second season never never got produced for whatever reason. Uh, it only had ten episodes in the second season, though. Uh, I'll have to go back and watch it. Uh, this is the second season, um, but I enjoyed it. It wasn't bad. Um, once again, I never read the books, so I don't know how it compares to the books. But I mean, fairies and swordsmen and 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 rangers and and thieves and and everything. So I I got into it. I was okay with it. <clears throat> it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like awe inspiring, but it was something fun to watch. Right. Yeah. Um. Just kind of middle of the road fantasy. Uh, if you just want something to watch here and there. All right. All right, Jay. Uh-huh. I told you to put a pin in it. Yep. Continuing with the uh, never got a fair shake. Uh, this one I can kind of understand why. Uh, as soon as I say the title, <coughs> you're probably going to roll your eyes. Uh, but give this one a chance from 2013. Um, not really a horror thing but definitely has lots of elements of the supernatural in it also has magic and stuff in it it's a fairy tale we all know but taken and put into a whole new context and if you're a fan of evil dead 2 uh you know if you like equal doses of slapstick humor with your uh running and gunning and your horror elements check out hansel and gretel witch hunters Starring Jeremy Renner and Gemma Arderton as Hansel and Gretel. Uh, this is the two of them after their encounter with the witch when they've grown up. <coughs> and have uh, spent their life plotting on careers as witch hunters. Uh, has a strong steampunk element. Jay, here you go. Hansel's weapon of choice is a steampunk shotgun. There's a at one point a steampunk minigun that is blessed, so it'll kill witches. Uh, lots of rifles and and uh, <laughs> guns that should not exist in the timeline they're in. Um, this movie firmly has its tongue in its cheek. Uh, slight spoiler: they even make a joke about uh, you know because Hansel when he was a kid and the witch made him eat sweets because she wanted to fatten him up. He has diabetes now. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Uh, keep your keep your keep a firm sense of humor. The movie never tries to be more than it is. It's just it's like yeah, we know we're goofy, but this is it's fun goofy. It also has Peter Stormare, uh, Famke Jensen plays the head evil witch. Um, 
tons the 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 witch makeup effects are all done practically and they're awesome makeups um there's also a troll that is a really great practical makeup uh lots of practical effects in this movie really really well done um the gore cranked up to 11 um get the unrated cut if you can it's not much longer but it's that much better um lots more (laughs) f-bombs it's just it's it's so much fun um and I might be stretching it a bit because, you know, it does involve witches in, in uh, pew pew sticks, like Scott said. Um, but sticks. they do a little bit more than just go pew pew. <clears throat> really, really fun movie. Uh, sadly, it, it, it overperformed what people expected it to. Um, and, and I know even about a year after its release, they were still working on and developing a sequel. Sadly, that's uh, apparently just dead in the water now. Uh, we're going on almost 10 years and I don't think it's going to happen, but um, was a really, really fun movie to watch again, sort of that dark fairy tale kind of vibe. Uh, but, but, but think of the like evil dead Two kind of, we're going to mix equal parts, horror and comedy with some action sprinkled in. That's the tone of Hansel and Gretel. Uh, and I know uh, Travis friend of the show, Travis uh, had never seen it. And me and another friend of his made him watch it. And at first he was like, really Hansel and Gretel rich hunters. Really? That's what we're going to watch. And by the end of it, he was like, okay, that was cool. Take it back. That was a lot of fun. So uh, we can win Travis over. Give Hansel and Gretel witch hunters a try. And Jay, if you want just more witch killing guns and you can throw a stick at this movie's got it for you. I'll have to check it, it might out. Might not be golden, but or a former crucifix with dragon's breath affixed there, to it. There, there is a crossbow that fires multiple shots in multiple directions and has a built-in like winch system, so they can hang people with it. Okay, I'm a, I yeah, I, yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. All right. I guess I'm gonna have to give this a try. I never watched it. <clears throat> Because when it came out, and I guess I saw the poster and the previews and stuff, I had uh, um, Von Helsing flashbacks. This is what we wish Van Helsing would have been. And everything, because Van Helsing was just god-awful. Yep. Um, And I saw this, and I'm like, ah, shit, no, I'm not going down that rabbit hole again. I just, I avoided it at all costs. Nice. So, although I'm looking at I'm looking at uh, production stills now, and uh, Jeremy Renner's shotgun does look like a cool prop. Tons of cool props in this movie. <laughs> so, Jay, I think we're back yeah. to you. Um, well, so this one, I don't know if you can consider it fantasy. But I had to bring it up because to me it's kind of a dark horse. I think of it as a fantasy movie. And it's kind of like a dark horse fantasy movie, sort of an underrated, under the radar movie. I don't think a lot of people have seen it. But a lot of talent in the. Um, and what I'm talking about is the movie Reign of Fire. Oh. Not cut. sure. Um, I want to say 2003, maybe. I'm checking that right now. So you can literally go to IMDb and check that. Yep, 2002. I was close. 2002. So if you've never seen Reign of Fire, Reign of Fire is... Uh, they're digging in... I think they're building some sort of underground 
like subway system in Britain, uh, in London, and they somehow unearth a dragon that is still alive. And uh, the main character's mother gets killed by this dragon, just sort of smashed by it, basically. And uh, he survives. Huh? I'm giving you a hard time. Spoiler for an 18-year-old movie. Um, anyway, so the, uh, he grows up and the world just gets sort of turned on its head because there's all these dragons flying around. And it sort of is like if you thrust... It's post-apocalyptic in a way, but it's also like if you thrust dragons into the future. Um, it's Walking it's got, Dead, but swap zombies for dragons. Right. That's a, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, it's got Gerard Butler, um, Christian Bale, Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. A, a freaking beefed out cut Matthew McConaughey. Like if you Blah, think, uh, bald and bearded, yeah, yeah. If you think of Matthew McConaughey as like that skinny kid, that's you know, hey, high school, I get older and they stay the same. Ain't that. No, this is totally different Matthew McConaughey. He is a dragon-slaying Matthew McConaughey who written on an eight with his band of roughneck dragon slayers and just sort of knocks on the door of this castle and is like, hey, we're here to kill some dragons. Uh, he also carries a giant axe that he uses to dispatch dragons that they somehow can manage to fell. Um, well, it's he kills a dragon with it. Okay. He you sure? One... Yes. Okay. Doesn't he? Maybe watch it again. The one that he uh uh-huh. the one that the Christian Bale's riding the horse. Okay. Doesn't he cut that one with the axe? Okay. Uh, maybe I will have to watch it again. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he, he yeah he goes out in a blaze of glory though. That's pretty awesome. Uh, he, he I will I'll give him that. <laughs> <laughs> pretty epic way to end it. Uh, cool trailer it, shot. I'll give him that. Yeah, it's it's not everybody's cup of tea. It's kind of a slow roll. Um, there's not a whole lot of action to it, but it's kind of an interesting take on having dragons in your life like right now how would you feel if there are dragons flying around type situation um it was also really cool when it came out because dragons hadn't been done in a while i mean this, yeah. this is pre hobbit pre game of thrones like uh, they they really looked at dragons like from a scientific point of view like okay if if these creatures did exist what would they be like and kind of based them on actual animals and stuff so you know there's there's some cool stuff there yeah but it's uh, ah, it's an enjoyable movie. It's an enjoyable romp. I think you. It's one that I would definitely recommend checking out if you want to get some interesting dragon interactions going and have some big name stars before they really were big name, with the exception of Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. I saw this movie when it when it came out. Uh, I remember, and that's the only time I've seen it because 
I I I literally I hated this movie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I hate this movie. So I'm watching this movie and I'm like, okay, I can kind of get behind what they're doing. And then when when that that crew rolls up with that M one A one Abrams, yeah, you no. Know, and I'm like, wait a minute, this this is a ragtag, you know, living on the edge. You know, beat to hell. You know, dragon slaying crew that's been out there in the <clears throat> in no man's land and uh, living on whatever they can survive, staying one step ahead and just doing what they have to. Yet all of the reactive armor is still in place on this on this tank. <laughs> it's supposedly seen combat after combat um. after combat. I'm like, why? Why are all the panels still in place? You telling me nothing has set off the armor on this on this thing? The uh, movie explains that. Really? See, I they're not seen... a ragtag group of mercs; they're a military unit. Yeah, but that the mil- yeah, that, that that they just landed in England because they're trying to trace the the lead dragon. So they're and they they even say when when they get they they encounter losses along the way, but their equipment. Is it necessarily the same stuff they've been using since the outbreak hit? Like they just landed. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's 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 even it's even to the point that the military and stuff's not what it used to be. Governments have collapsed, right? It, once again, I haven't seen it since it was in theaters. So, the this and the Apache helicopters and everything. This is some very well maintained equipment for, you know, no military funding anymore. I'm just saying, the equipment showed up, and I'm like, really? This this is, okay, sure. It, it didn't feel right at all. It just took me completely out of the movie. And then the, the Apaches showed up, and I'm like, wow, that's, they, they have no battle damage at all. They're, like, practically brand freaking new. <clears throat> yeah, I just, I did not care. Master Scott no. draws a line, all right? <laughs> Dragons reemerging and destroying the world, fine. Yep. But- those Apaches with the sticker still on them. Nope, sorry. Yeah. Hey, if you're going post-apocalyptic, then by God, your vehicles and everything should look post-apocalyptic. You don't. You don't see Mad Max Fury Road driving a damn brand new F one fifty down the road. You know, with with the sticker price still on it. No, they actually have fucking post-apocalyptic vehicles. You know. It's fine. I argue they're a little more uh, fantastical because where the hell do they get all the uh, welding torches and shit to customize all those vehicles in the apocalypse? Well, whatever. <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't we just be seeing beat to shit standard cars? Yeah. Just some old freaking like no, they've all got cougar. catapults and spikes and cow pushers and shit on them. Yeah. Electric guitar players. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> those all come st- maybe by the time that apocalypse happened, those were just standard features on automobiles. I don't know what I'm talking about. Hey, flaming guitar, duct tape goes <laughs> a long way. All right, handy man, secret weapon. Oh, yeah, I just yeah. not liking this movie. Yeah, I it's for me, it's a fun little. It's like what John said. I haven't seen The Great Wall, but like what John said, just turn your brain off for a little while and watch. Some pretty decent for the time CG dragons tearing shit up. That's that's what I liked about it. 
Uh, Scott, I don't really have anything else to talk about. Like I said, uh, I okay. didn't see I didn't see a lot from this era, so that's fair. Um, I've got one kind of honorable mention, and that's it for the rest of my list. Uh, movie came out in two thousand three, and I feel this fits under the because Lord of the Rings category uh (laughs) mostly because this is a subgenre of movies that prior to this movie meant box office death and no one wanted to make them um talking about pirate movies and before this movie the most financially successful pirate movie was muppet treasure island Uh, the, the big one people point to is Cutthroat Island, which was such a flop it almost bankrupted the entire studio who financed it. Uh, so pirate movies were like, don't do them, don't just don't don't. They never turn out well. Don't do them. And then along in 2003, along comes Pirates of the Caribbean: Curse of the Black Pearl, which on its surface fairly straightforward pirate movie. Johnny Depp and in, in you know the the introduction of Captain Jack Sparrow and still the, the definitely the best movie of the franchise and and. Uh, it went downhill quick after this one, but it introduces an element of the supernatural of the, the treasure they're all chasing after is cursed and zombie pirates. <laughs> and the franchise got even more down than, you know, fountain of youth and mermaids and uh, Poseidon's trident and all kinds of shit pop up in these later movies. But this one, it was, it was just enough of a supernatural element to give some new juice to an old genre and just enough of that old school Sposh Buckling Errol Flynn kind of stuff to be like, hey, this is fun. We haven't done this in a while. Um, and I feel like if it wasn't for Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings getting audiences into fantastical elements like zombie pirates, uh, this movie would have been another flop in the long set history of pirate movie flops. But at this time, people were kind of primed <clears throat> for you know more outlandish elements. And uh, it had it was just similar enough, you know, the sword fights and the ships and things like that. And then you add a supernatural element to it. And it was just enough of the Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings stuff mixed with something, you know, new and different we, we hadn't seen for a while. Uh, and then, of course, amazing acting from, from the cast in this one. Um, no one expected anything of this movie. And it over-delivered. Um, I won't talk about the sequels, but I, I feel like this movie very much. Uh, not only I, I, you know, I feel that this wouldn't have gotten green lit if it wasn't for the success of Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, and it definitely owes a bit of debt to them as far as plot elements, because um, they, they, I think they would have, they got to push this a little further than they intended. They would have otherwise. Um, but yeah, I, I love the first movie. I. I'm almost 100% certain that you and I saw this movie in theaters together when it came out. Okay. Almost 100% positive. Because I remember you having a conversation with your mom about things that happened in the movie that also were part of the ride at Disney. Look, that sounds like me. But I had no recollection of that event. So. Oh, well, that's okay. Uh, 
I liked this one. I thought it was good too. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoy all the swash buckling because nobody buckles a swash like Jack Sparrow. Uh, but this this also tipped off the just sort of massive eye rolling that I had after seeing the second one every time a Pirates trailer would come up in a movie. Like, I'm sitting there waiting for the movie to start, and, you know, you hear that, and you're like, son of a bitch, another one? And it just is like, uh, You can thank China for that, because these movies kept doing stupid money overseas. Oh, God, just, ugh. Yeah. I like number three. I'm fine with it. I know you don't, and I know you why. You would. I love Barbosa in that movie. Barbosa in that movie is great. Um, <clears throat> that being said, when it comes to the first one, and I love the first one as well, um, uh, one thing that always gets me every time I watch it, and, and this is something that pisses me off in movies, is when... Actors are acting in a way they shouldn't be acting, you know, from direction or whatever when they do a scene because the audience at that point in the movie doesn't have information that would make them make a different reaction make sense yet, you know? And an example. Yeah, the scene I'm talking about, and it kills me every time I watch it, is when Elizabeth Swan is on the Black Pearl for the first time, and she pulls out the pirate medallion, right? And it's clear that they want it. And so she holds it overboard. You know, she's like, I'll drop it, and she lets it slip a little bit. And they're all like, no! Because we don't yet know they're zombies. Her dropping it should make no difference. She drops it. He goes, dude, go get it. And he just drops over the side and, you know, goes and gets it. Because he's a zombie. But we as the audience don't know that yet. So if they behave like, if you want to drop it, drop it. We don't give two shits. It wouldn't make sense to us. So the director has the actors act like, no, no, don't drop it. We'll lose it forever. Yeah, fuck that shit. That's just dumb. But this has been shit I can't get past in movies. (laughs) Scott (laughs) Cox. But the over-contrived plot and storyline of Jack doing, like, a quadruple-triple cross on everybody in the third one is okay. Yeah, but the third after the third movie, I don't remember who's after what or why or for what yeah. reason or who's backstabbed who because so-and-so backstabbed somebody. It's like... Remember when this was just sword fights and zombies? Can we go back to that? Yeah. Uh, I had no problem keeping track of what was going on in the third movie. Well, draw me a diagram, a flowchart, and then maybe I'll watch it again. Uh, okay. Emphasis on maybe. That is a heavy maybe. Uh, yeah, I'll watch that movie again. Uh, but no, the first movie, fantastic. Yeah. Return to that old school kind of swashbuckling movie. Um, but again, had enough supernatural elements in there that I, I feel like it, I don't think, I'm not trying to say it was necessarily trying to rip off Lord of the Rings or trying to, to ape Lord of the Rings, but it was definitely 
in a you know if you try to get this movie made three years before Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter had come out, no studio would have touched it. Um, in fact, the writers approached Disney about it, uh, I think twice. And the first time Disney flat turned around, like, no, no, we don't make power movies. Nobody makes power movies. Power movies are bad. But uh, so there we go. That's my list. Nice. Anybody else? Honorable mentions? Anything you want to toss out? All right, then. Um, yeah. Maybe? No? Still thinking? No, no. No, I'm good. Okay. Uh, well, then there you go. That is our rundown of some overlooked gems from the post Lord of the Rings fantasy movie or TV show era. Um, stuff that you might have overlooked or didn't hear about or just got lost in the shuffle of the eight gajillion different movies trying to be the next Lord of the Rings. Like, we didn't even talk about like Chronicles of Narnia and stuff like that. Uh, there were so many the movies chronic- in this era trying to, be, <laughs> trying to be the next thing. Uh, most of them didn't work, like you, Aragorn. Um, but yeah, some some good stuff came out of that, and there's we recommend watching. Um, so if you're with us still, thank you for listening this long. Uh, <clears throat> thank you to the members of my questing party. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and uh, take a long rest here, and we'll pick things up next week. Till then, this has been your weekly nerd alert.